I'm Summer. And I'm Elle. This season on the South Phoenix Oral History Podcast. Join us as we research, write, and submit an article for academic publication. From start to finish. Each episode will share our progress with you. And challenge you to work side by side on your own project. Our work is grounded in oral history research and method, but yours doesn't have to be. Consider us your global virtual writing group. Let's do this together. All right, everybody, welcome back. Summer here. How are you, Ella? I'm good, Summer. Um, I apologize in advance. My dog's barking. Well, you have. we all have our research assistants at some point, right? <laughs> Definitely do. So last week when we met, we discussed, basically, I focused on sort of the scope of the research that sort of touches South Phoenix. And you were looking much more broadly at kind of themes that may influence the way we understand this type of history that we'll be doing. And so we had a challenge to read. And then next week we said, keep reading. And this week we'll say, keep reading. And we'll probably continue to go back and back and back and say, reading, read, read, read. Um, But this week we thought what we would do uh, for our listeners is that you could follow along with kind of where Ellie's at in terms of her reading. And then next week we talk about what I've been doing, what I've been reading. So if that sounds good, uh, I think we'll just kind of launch in. Sound good? Absolutely. All right, Ellie, tell us what you've been up to, what you've been reading and what you've learned. All right. So as I said last week, I was going to keep focusing on um, environmental history and environmental justice. And I for this week, I specifically specifically wanted to talk about this article that's called it's titled The Geography of Despair. And it's the first article that I picked up when I started doing this research. And I really think it's a it's a brilliant uh, piece of writing. And it also, it fits very, very well with the research that we want to do. And so what I thought doing today was discuss this article, but not exactly the article, but more how I read it so that it relates to the research that we want to do. Um, so to explain that in a better way, what I mean is when we're in graduate school, usually what we do is we're given articles to read for class and we have a syllabus and all of that. And so for each week we have say three or four articles to read for a certain class. And what we do is we have the articles, we read them all, we underline a lot of things, (laughs) we highlight a bunch of stuff and and there's nothing, there's a lot of uh, underlined sticky notes everywhere in each page. (laughs) And I've noticed that that's not the same way that I read when I'm researching for a specific topic Mm. because, and that's what I did exactly for this article. So I have things underlined, but I've only underlined things that are important relating to the research that I'm doing. I I just say underline because that's how I make sense of the articles, but obviously not everyone does that. But, um, for me, underlining means that something is important. Yeah. Um, and so what I do, what I did with this specific article is going back, I, I guess I have to go back a little bit to what the research is about. Uh, so uh, as we said in the first episode, we're, uh, we're interested in knowing where South Phoenix is. And we want to know where the um, geographical and historical boundaries of South Phoenix are now and if they've changed over time. And 
I picked up this article because it does talk about South Phoenix. And it's interesting because it has map maps uh, of yeah. South Phoenix. And it has, it tries to give a definition of South Phoenix. And so obviously those are things that are interesting for us. And we want to know what other people have said about South Phoenix. So I thought that that was a great place to start. Another thing that we are trying to understand is obviously for our own purposes, because we're studying South Phoenix, right? It's important for us to define where it is. Mm. But the scope of the article obviously won't just be to for us to determine where this place is, where we think it is, where other people think it is. We have to find a way to relate it. It's, it's going to be a case of study, but we have to find a way to relate it to other South Phoenix mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. across, um, across the state or, uh, you know, I, I, I was looking at my notes earlier and um, I noticed that I wrote something like months ago when I started researching this, that every city probably has a South Phoenix. Or yeah. Phoenix. Um, and so that's what we're we're going to try to do is we're going to try and identify for our own purposes, because that's what we're interested in, in just where the location that we're looking at is, because we need to know that. But also we want to find a way to relate it to other South Phoenixes. Perfect. Um, hey, can I ask you a question real quick? Sure. So can you give us the title of the article, who it's by, and what field it seems to be from? Because that might be also sort of what we're doing is we're historians, but we're calling on sociologists, geographers, um, urban planners, right? Those kinds of things. Thank you for asking, because that's something that I wanted to discuss. <laughs> Title is The Geography of Despair, Environmental Racism, and the Making of South Phoenix, Arizona. Very good. And I, I did underline the making of. <laughs> yes, good. So it's by Bob Bolin, uh, Sarah Grineski, and Timothy Collins. And so Bob Bolin, they all work at the uh, at Arizona State University. And um, so Sarah Grineski and Timothy Collins, oh, no, sorry. Uh, Sarah Grineski is a sociologist. She works at the International Institute of Sustainability Development of Sociology. Timothy Collins is a geographer. Uh, he works at the International Institute of Sustainability Development of Geography. And Bob Bolin, I can't really tell, but he works at the School of Human Evolution and Social, Social Change at International Institute of Sustainability. So people um, who are familiar with Arizona State University are probably chuckling because ASU has like this reputation for having these very complicated schools <laughs> and divisions and departments. So it's like, so is he a historian, right? Like, and so you just have to kind of look them, look them up on ASU's website because yeah, just finding them by their school is kind of like, wait, who are they? So his background, it looks like, is in um, sociology and geography. Perfect. And the other thing that I thought was interesting is that they published in the Human Ecology Review hmm. Journal. Mm -hmm. Very good. Thank you. So Human Ecology Review, let's see what kind of... Uh, kind of work they're focused on. Human Ecology, I wonder if it's mostly... Sociology, peer-reviewed research, interaction between humans and environment, human ecology. Um, okay, cool. 
Yeah, so environmental justice, environmental racism, historical geographic development, all those things. I wanted to focus, the, I focused mostly on two things on this article because they were the things that overlapped with the research that we're gonna do. One is I was looking at the definitions that they gave of South Phoenix because they do focus on the making of South Phoenix, right? And so they had to define it. They do it in different ways. They they, they spell it out, right, in words, but they also have uh, maps. We can show it, but um, on the second page, there is a map and I'm going to show it to Summer. Oh, uh, wow. It, it's a bl very blurry map, right? It and is it blurry. And it just has, it just shows Phoenix in general, right? And then, and, and South Phoenix is just a box, more it's or like less. No distinction, right? It's just like in <laughs> certain freeways or something? No, I can't even see where the freeway is. It's oh, just like, no, I don't know if you can see it in the picture, but there are no roads or anything. It just says, oh, it should be about here. Yeah. And where did they um, get that map? Did they create it themselves? Um, it says it's adapted from another article that Bob Bolin published in, in 2000. And, it, and instead, it, here it says figure one, map of Phoenix metropolitan area. Okay. Right, but it doesn't, it, there, there are no boundaries. It's just like, oh, it should be about here. So it's apparently a map that was done by one of the authors, just probably an easy graphic yes. sort of thing. Yes, exactly. I'm to pull the article up myself so I can look at it. Yeah, and then there's a section in the article that talks about, that it's, it's the, they call it historical overview. And I got really excited when I started reading it. And then, uh, it was just an historical overview of Phoenix, not South Phoenix. Oh, sure. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then there is another map. And this one, is, they say it's adapted from Roberts, an article published in 1973. Mm -hmm. And it's about the minority neighborhoods in Phoenix. And it doesn't go very far south, it looks like. It ends at Buckeye Road, which is north of the Salt River. Yeah. And there are two maps, one for nineteen for the beginning of the 20th century, uh, 1911, and then the 1940s. But the reason I am talking about the maps and the definition is because, obviously, that's, that's going to be a key part of our research. Mm -hmm. And uh, so these are the maps, right? And then the definition that they give for South Phoenix is just a district agent to the central city. This right. is the definition they give in the abstract. And then later on, uh, let me get it. Oh, here it is. They say uh, the environmental uh, faith of, oh, sorry. They say scattered throughout this district are the city's oldest African-American Latino neighborhoods. The environmental faith of this district, known locally as South Phoenix, and then the rest. Um, but so the key concepts here are that they call it a district, right? They, they keep calling it a district. And then they identify it with the people who live in it. And then they say this district is known locally as yes. South Phoenix. Which is 
which I would agree with. And it's what I've found myself just kind of anecdotally. So it's really nice um, when you're researching and you find something that can kind of substantiate something you sort of know, but need to prove. So we have a citation here that, that we can reference. Exactly. Exactly. So this is really good Great. for us. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that's also uh, good is more or less what they're trying to argue throughout. Well, not what, not what they're trying to argue, but what they're trying to find uh, through the article. And that's that they're interested in what factors have contributed to the marginalization of South Phoenix. Mm -hmm. um, so what they noticed that environmental studies have done over the years, not just for South Phoenix, but in general, is that they have found factors that are always related to industries. Um, and so uh, waste sites or stuff like that. But mm -hmm. what they're interested in is social factors that have contributed to places like South Phoenix becoming South Phoenix. Does that make sense? Yeah. So what were some examples of those social factors? They basically, they're arguing that racial categories were constructed by white people of, South, of Phoenix to produce a stigmatized zone of racial exclusion. The the factors that they attribute it to are race and class and how race and class also intertwine. Very good. Um, when did they, and I might be jumping ahead on you, so please, you know, feel free to stop me, but I'm scanning the article. I've read it, of course, but I'm scanning it. And what I'm noticing is there's a lot of stuff on like turn of the century late 1800s to about 1930s. Is that something you're going to talk about? Yeah, that's something that's actually, because uh, as you said, like they, there's this uh, historical overview section. And then after that, they say that the timeline period that they're going to focus on is from the early 20th century, post-war period until basically today, because what they're trying to argue is that these uh, fact factors that have excluded South Phoenix and South Phoenicians, they're still persistent to this day, right? Sure. And they're looking at the entire 20th century, which for a historian is a very big. Timeline. It is. Yeah. And they're trying to make the argument that I think all historians aspire to make, which is historical factors influence the realities we live in today. But then you have to define today. I mean, this article, it wasn't written by historians, but of course they had to give a historical overview. And there are a lot of things that they mention about how the city changed over time and the, 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 the not just the policies, but also the natural uh, geographical factors that made South Phoenix what it is and sort of excluded it from the rest of the city and they try to that's that's the the timeline that they try to give from the 20th century to sort of say okay these are all the things that have happened over time but of course these are it's it's a it's a huge time period that we're looking at and so I don't know that that's exactly what we're gonna do because that's yeah it's huge right um if they I'm looking at the articles 13 pages long and they're basically trying to cover 150 years. Yeah. And you're right. Like, we can't really do that. 
well as historians. So that may be one of our projects is to determine, because I'm calling it like, we're looking at the geographical and historical boundaries of South Phoenix, yeah. right? So we may need to decide like, where do we want to end? Where do we want to begin? Yeah. Yeah. Because it is, it's a lot to try to do in 13 pages. Yeah. Hmm. But this is a really useful article. It is absolutely. It's really useful. It's also, um, it, it does it, as I said, it does a really good job as uh, uh, summarizing all the key events that have happened in one century, mm -hmm. uh, both um, social and natural factor, let's call them that way. Um, and it also, for people who are interested in this topic, but don't know very much about uh, environmental racism, environmental history, it does also a really good job at giving an overview of the field. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so um, after you read this article, what questions came up for you that you were like, I need to research this more. I need to look into this more. I need to find this author. What kinds of things come up? I think that what what I know and the things that we can definitely work on for the article are the social factors. Okay. Like what? And no, no, no. I mean, like, I think those things we can very easily uh, identify for okay. the, for our research. Right. But then I definitely don't know, even though obviously these are all things that are listed in this, um, in this article, but I don't know very much about say like how uh, policymakers decide on where to place industries and uh, if they consciously decide to place them in uh, um, um, underrepresented neighborhood and what the, you know, the, the, the logic behind that is. Um, I also don't know very much about um, like floodings and how those natural has environmental movements can we call them uh, happen. And so um, I think that that side of environmental history that we definitely need to quote and use for the research, I don't know much about. So it's good that this article talks about that. And so I, for example, there is this um, this caller who that who they cite a lot um, in the section where they talk about environmental racism. Um, and just conceptual issues in general. Um, I think it's a woman. Her name, her surname is Pulido. We're de I definitely have to research more about that. Oh, yeah. I think we have that. One of those articles, I think her 2000 article, Rethinking Environmental Racism, I believe that is one that we have in our list. Yeah. And then this exact one is, is the one that they cite a lot in this yeah. article. Well, it brings me back to something you said that I thought was really clever, where you said, you know, every city has a South Phoenix, right? So um, sometimes when I present to historians that don't know much about Phoenix, they know about their other, you know, other cities and other developments. I kind of start with that, right? Where I say, every city has this, right? Vegas has West Las Vegas. Denver has five points. Like every city has a neighborhood or a barrio, right? That like, is just accepted as like their South Phoenix. And I often ask for like crowd participation, you know, I say like, what, you know, just based on what you know about your, your community that you study, what are some of the geographical bar barriers that you believe, you know, 
designate South Phoenix and they always guess, right? They always guess railroads. Yep. We've got it. Highways. Yep. We've got it. And then they guess rivers or whatever. Ours is a river, but also a canal water. So one of the things for you to look into as you're doing a broader search beyond this, and you mentioned the kind of, we know the social factors, but what are the geographical or climate factors? Something for you to look into broadly when you look at environmental racism is how are those infrastructure things like railroads and highways used against people of color and people who are poor? How is something like water? For us, it was the Salt River and it's, and it's kind of unpredictability until 1911 as it was flooding. Water is always used as a way to designate the haves from the have-nots. And then the other thing to bring up with Phoenix, and I believe we have the article um, in our shared drive, and if we don't, I'll send it to you, is heat itself, right? Like South Phoenix is, is um, protected by South Mountain, like the actual mountain itself, and it creates a thermal belt along the base of South Mountain. But South Phoenix sprawls. It's a bigger space than just Baseline Road up against South Mountain. And as you start to look at like the heat index, there are what's called heat islands, right? There's no, there's little shade, lots of asphalt, very few trees. If you compared South Phoenix to Paradise Valley or Scottsdale, places where they invest a ton of money in trees and green land, green space, their parks are lovely, right? Their parks are comfortable and shady, even in the height of the summer. And how is heat itself, heat and shade used against you know, people who have less to begin with. Um, those are probably the four major kind of environmental factors to look at. And the other thing I think Bolin and, and his colleagues looked at had to do with kind of um, industry, right? You mentioned industry, uh, yeah. like um, rail yards or um, landfills. Dairy farms were very big in South Phoenix at the time because it was kind of a rural space. So dairy Farms and chicken farms were pretty prevalent in South Phoenix until like the year 2010. I mean, it was really common to just be driving past a dairy farm for, you know, years. So, and that that's not a bad thing. It's great to have farming, right? But the amount of emissions that come from those types of places and what they do to the air while you have people living right next door, uh, there should be some sort of environmental research on that stuff. And actually, the, there's another thing that I um, that the article pointed out that I thought was really interesting is that they say that a few South Phoenix residents actually work in, in these factories or facilities in the neighborhood. So just a few, not a lot. So uh, what's our challenge for next week? What are we going to do next week? Should we read more? <laughs> we should always read more. Um, Ellie, you, I kind of like the way you approached this. You had kind of one article and you use that as sort of your anchor uh, because it can be overwhelming if you're just trying to do a whole historiography all at once. Uh, that can take several weeks, you know, months often. So I was... Last week, I said I would look into more on the Journal of Urban History, and I would look into the Western Historical Quarterly, specifically looking for articles in those journals that reference South Phoenix. So I'm going to do that again for myself. So if our listeners are listening, do the same thing on your end, right? Look at a journal that may be something relevant to the kind of work you're doing or the kind of work you hope to publish and then search within that journal. 
and choose something you're not completely familiar with, right? Like I am very familiar with like the Arizona journal, you know, the journal of Arizona history or the oral history review, right? I'm comfortable with kind of those types of journals, but I know less about the journal of urban history or the Western historical quarterly. So I'm going to intentionally zero in. Maybe I'll try to find an article on each um, for this week. And next week when we come together, um, I'll do what you did, where I'll tell you what I've learned and you can ask me any questions that come up for you. Yes. Sounds good? All right, friends. Well, join us next week. We're looking forward to hearing what you've got to say. If you are reading along with us and you want to share what you're learning, we are on Insta at SMCC History, or you can email us at HistorySouthMountain at gmail.com.